Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Shape Your Work podcast. It's where my partner, Simone Fenton Jarvis, and I'm Ali Khan. We both meet real people, not necessarily famous like us, but living real lives, talking about their experiences, struggles, and celebrations through their work lives. Today, we'll be talking to Natalie Torquato, who joins us from sunny Florida, USA. And she's been helping global corporate clients in understanding and adopting innovation for quite some time now. We connected a number of years back and what really struck me was Natalie's depth of understanding that it's ultimately all about the people. Let's dive in. Natalie, would you like to introduce yourself in your own words? Sure. Um, I'm Natalie Turquato. Um, I work in the digital workplace and uh, I've known these two characters for, uh, well, about what, three years now? And, um, but my background is, um, is in the digital workplace. Nice. And I'm in Florida, sunny Florida, while you guys are in the cold, rainy UK, although it looks nice out behind Simone, so. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Nat. You're absolutely right. One of, one of my favorite places I used to, when I used to travel to the US, I used to stop by, um, Oh, maybe I shouldn't say this because my my old employer might hear me. But we used to we used to <laughs> we used to drop by South Beach to warm up on the way back to the UK. Oh, just um, drop by. <laughs> yep, we used to. Well, we did have we did have a good reason actually. Boca Raton, where you are, so we used to have a uh, we had a business out there. We'd go see the guys, do a little bit of business, and then. Uh, but it just happened to be you know very convenient. Um, so uh, I I got a big grand question for you to get us started here. You know we're talking about or, you know, employees and employers. And you've had, I think, this wonderful experience of C-suite access being there all the way down, you know, from the uh, to the ground level. It's one of the things I've really enjoyed about, you know, our conversations is that true grounded understanding of what's really happening, you know, at every level. Would you say today employees really understand what employees want? Uh, no. I, I, that's just, I mean, I'm sure there are, are a lot out there that do, but from my experience um, in the last 10 years, I would say no, they don't. Even, even through um, the pandemic, you know, um, I would have thought that they would try and support their employees better. Um, and it's, I just don't, yeah, people don't, the, the employers don't, it's too high level. They don't get it. Yeah. Is it that they don't listen or they just don't hear what the issues are or they just want to kind of sweep it under the carpet? Uh, I think that they, um, I think it's more of a, oh, we want to hear what you guys, you know, what you, but they're, they don't really care. Um, it's more of a, um, it's more of a, oh, look at us, look how, uh, you know, employee centric we are. Yeah. It's, but they don't, it's like, it's like a parent when their child, you know, like, it's like, um, you know, don't do what I say or don't do as I do, but not what I say or whatever it is, the, whatever yeah. the opposite is. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's all for show. Yeah. Just like a tick box that's, you know, the, the, the firing out these tick boxes and going, yeah, we're a great company to work for. We survey members of our team, you know, we're listening, we're doing but I guess where the, the kind of, as we were saying, Yorkshire, the proof is in the pudding. 
um you know yeah. does does it actually come to fruition are they actually making changes for the people um yeah it doesn't translate into any action so i don't know why but why are you wasting the time asking the question if you don't don't really care what the answer is yeah i think one one thing that i always come across as well is like you know the, when when organizations do a survey or go and listen out to people or want to genuinely make change most of the time they just don't know where to start as well because they're just getting all this fragmented information back and it's a bit kind of like well what do you want me to do with this and is that an opinion or is this a fact and me and Ali were talking about this the other week and you know the difference between facts and fiction yeah they uh, um there's well I mean it's I think it's more perception and reality is what it is and you know uh, there's the saying that what is it nine tenths of is of perception is actually someone's reality um and i i think that's the big difference is i okay this is what i'm saying but you're you may be listening but you're not hearing what i'm saying and you're right it, it's very much you know checking a box and and don't even get me started on surveys. People need to figure out a better survey and, and what to do with the actionable data. Like get actionable data and actually do something. So. Wait, did somebody say survey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I played right into that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fantastic. It's, totally. it's, you know, you're right. What we, you're certainly from a shape perspective, what we've been advocating and what we've learned over the, many years of designing surveys people don't have a problem with actually having a good high quality digital conversation they don't have an issue um, providing feedback what they've got an issue is with not being heard or demonstrated to be heard afterwards and not being actioned and and, and i guess that kind of leads me to you know that first question the grand question let's dig a bit deep deep, deep in that if we can around what is it that you think motivates people in 2023 to go to work then? You know, so from your own experience, what, what is it from your experience and the people around you that you've seen, what really gets them up to go? Um, to go and work for a company or choose a company. Uh, I think that you really have to um, dig deep into the company with um, when you're interviewing um, asking them the tough questions and then challenging them on their answers. So if you ask a question, you know, um, the, the thing that kills me the most is when all, you know, these companies say, oh, we're very employee centric. We're very, we're very customer centric. Um, and then you ask them a question and they kind of fumble around the answer. Like when you st start asking about the, and, and you know, to, and this is not playing up to Simone's, you know, her book, but it's not employee, it's human. Like, are you really human centric? And if you ask the hard questions and, and then challenge them on the answers, you know, then you'll find out if they're telling you what you want to hear just to get you to come aboard because, you know, the great resignation, there's a lot of big talent out there that are looking for, the, people are constantly looking now where it used to be, you know, people are happy in their position and they're gonna stay there and that's where they're gonna retire from. And so it's just not the same anymore. And you've gotta be more human centric and actually human centric. So 
I would say challenging, really challenging people on their answers and not being afraid. Don't be afraid to challenge, you know, an employer that you're interviewing less. Yeah, I had a, a really good experience of this this week. Somebody uh, close to me has gone for a job interview and um, she reported back to me and saying, no, this is this is what we said to this question. This is what we said to this one. And I said, oh, did you ask them, you know, what what kind of flexible working they're going to put in place? How would they support? You know, I came up with a different, few different answers and they said, oh, I'm, I'm going to ask that question when I speak to them. And um, it was, oh, you can you can go and work in a hybrid way after you've worked for us for six months. I said, right, did you ask if that's related to trust or training or where does, and she was like, oh, can you come to the interview with me next time? Because I didn't think of this. And I was thinking, you know what, like, this is the thing, isn't it? So if someone said to me, you're not allowed to do this for six months, I'd be like, oh, why? Why? I'm going to challenge you on that. What What's the thinking behind that? And I think that's where people are getting tied up at the moment. Did you see all the stuff that's been kind of going on this week around um, the conscious quitting? So instead of the great resignation, it's now the conscious quitting. And it's people now that are looking at the values of the organisation and they're consciously deciding that they do not, they're not in line with them and they don't want to work there. So that's the next thing now to come out. So. Right. It was quietly quitting before. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's more... Um, people are overtly you know saying look you've you got to change what you're doing like all of this checking of the boxes if i if i sit on one more de and i call that nothing comes out of um in and it's not just you know in in any specific company but i just constantly hear that and i'm i'm like but what are you doing about it like, don't just have these calls or have these teams for, you know, to check a box. And um, yeah, people are just, they're overtly, it used to be, don't quit your job until you've got another job. Now people are like, sorry, yeah, like this place sucks and you guys suck and I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah. But I think people have got to... I don't know if it's the pandemic that's done it. I think we've all just become a little bit more conscious that time's too short to be spending it doing that. Um, I don't know if it's the pandemic that woke us all up or we've just become really impatient um, or maybe we've just got better better boundaries and better values. I'm not, I'm not sure what's what's kind of underneath it. And I guess it'll be different for everybody. But um, Would you say that you work in a mainly male-dominated industry? Oh, 100%. Yeah, very much it, so. Does that come through like with the cultures of the companies that you work for? Like, you, it, does it feel a bit kind of, um, I'm going to say, traditional, uh, traditional thinking? Is it is it lacking in diverse thinking more? Absolutely, um, especially when um, even when you work for, um, uh, and I'm not necessarily saying me, but. I look at my friends that work for minority owned or women owned companies or companies that were started by women. Um, but then all of the top executives are older white males. Um, so, you know, where, where is, where exactly is the, the diversity? Where is the equity? Where is the inclusion? Um, and it, yeah, it's the, it's being driven by that mindset in business. 
And I see that even in like in in you know these companies that are you know supposed to be so cutting edge and um, or even in startups, you know it's it's really the same. And and there's there's something to be said for experience because there is a lot of ageism going on as well. And there is something to be said for experience, but there are other people besides white males that have that experience that maybe have a different perspective that can bring the company to a different level. And um, yeah, so I, I agree with that hundred percent, that statement that you made. Yeah. I think kind of um, where, where I see like, you know, people report on their DNI kind of stats and on the surface, it's like, oh yeah, we're a diverse company. And you lift the lid up and I think you go to certain departments and it's like, oh, everybody in HR is female. Everybody in tech services is male. Oh, all of the cleaning team are Eastern European. And I see this a lot within the facilities industry. And it's like, that's not diversity. Um, and there's a few really good companies like Pareto FM, actually, you know, they, they make a point of having diversity across departments. They make a point of taking people up from the company. So even if they are in a cleaning role, it's like, right, how can we progress these people into management if that's where they want to get to? And so I know, you know, Pareto are really shaking up the FM industry that has really struggled with that kind of issue over the years. Um, and I think I think people are just becoming more and more conscious now around the the real reason and the real kind of meaning of diversity. And yes, there's diversity in thinking. And, and everything that comes with that and the innovation. But I think the thing for me as well is like, it's just the right thing to do. Like, you know, something I say in my book, don't be a, you can, uh, you know, you can fill in the gaps there. And it's like, no, like, just, <laughs> just be a better person than that. You don't, you don't need to be this person that is um, restricting diversity and diversity of thinking and, and stopping people from coming to the table. That's, that's not a good place for anyone to be in. Yeah, I think giving people a voice um, that maybe wouldn't normally, uh, that they wouldn't normally want, it's kind of like pulling teeth, you know, it's just, uh, they have to do it, all right, we're going to do it, um, but if you really listen to what people have to offer, um, you'd be surprised what you learn. So yeah, it goes back to uh, something else again that you said, not in this particular um, line of questioning, but listening, listen to people. You've got to listen to what people say and really take it in. And then, you know, think to yourself, well, gee, mate, is this something that I really need to like kind of rethink of how retrain my brain in how I think of X, Y, Z and I think that people, you know, companies would go further if they would do that. Yeah. So I, 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 that, thanks, Guy. This is, you know, Simone, I was thinking a couple of weeks ago when you had this post about an all women board as well. <clears throat> and, and on the other side, we've got, you know, the need for diversity. Um, and I, I guess you, you, we're kind of in a situation where you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. Um, but true diversity is balance, isn't it? I think that's the point you were making before, right? Yeah. 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 yeah you've... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, because yeah, it's totally it's balance. It's it's got to be balance, isn't it? Um, yeah. I 
I guess that's what you've been you've been saying, isn't it? That it's the kind of the it, yeah, we don't want tick boxes. We want to be brought to the table for the right reasons. It's not because you're female and you don't want to be invited to uh, another DEI meeting because you're female. And it's it's that that really kind of riles people up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, Simone, when I started in this business, it was completely male dominated. Um, Ironically enough, the the first person that hired me into this business is still one of my mentors today. Um, he hired me, he gave me an opportunity, he saw something in me, um, and he moved me up the ladder very quickly. Um, after he left, um, it, I got pushed right back down. Um, and, and it's not just, you know, it's not all about just women, but I mean, even in, to, not today, but I mean, in the recent past, I, I can think back, like, I'm trying to think, like, have I ever worked for a company that I haven't been sexually harassed at? You know what? No. And that's the yeah. truth. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there, I've, I've even been sexually assaulted by a boss. So um, I think that that's, you know, that's a, that's a, that's where things have to change. And it's not just men. I mean, not just women that get, get that. It's, it's men. Um, it's people of the LGBTQ um, community. It's people um, of color. I mean, the, it's just that there's got to be changes, like real changes. And I understand things don't change overnight, but good God, I mean, I've been doing this a long time and things have not come that far. Yeah. Do you know what? It reminds me about, God, about 10 years ago or so, I was in a building and uh, we had a massive water leak and um, the, this plumber came in, a male plumber, and he was fixing fixing this leak. Anyway, he came out of the bathrooms and he was absolutely soaking wet. And I remember I was sat with this, bunch, this group of women and I remember them all just kind of going, oh, oh, oh. And I went, whoa, I'm in it. Hang on a minute. I said, let's just reverse this a minute. If this was a group of men and a woman had just come out of that bathroom and they all started ogling about her, you'd be like pervert. I was like, so this this has to go both ways like Absolutely. we're in the workplace like come on guys and it's like we can't say that we want change and then behave just as bad that's right and the thing that that i um i tell people is that you know when you're talking about someone or you're a company that's you know that's dealing with or you're a director or or uh, like in leadership you have to remember, like, these are people that you, they are not employees, they are people. So you have to really, like, stop and think about that, that, you know, and, and I remind people all the time, that's a person that you're talking about. Um, and I do it with my friends, I do it with, um, you know, people that I've worked with. And, and, and yeah, it, it goes, it goes all different ways. That's a person. Yeah. Yeah. To go back to your, your mentor, um, I mm -hmm. think I might know who it is, but are they Danish? No, 
Oh, he okay. was uh he, no, he was an Italian guy from Chicago. And um actually oh, I'm gonna okay. say his name and you can bleep it out if you want, but his name's Tony Abbott, Tony Abate, and he hired me. Um and you know, and I had been making a lot of money, you know, doing something else in the financial industry. And he hired me at six dollars an hour, but he said to me when he hired me, um he said, I promise you, you are going to make more money than you ever made in the financial industry because you've got something and I'm going to help you. And I, I was like, you know what? I believe this guy. And he was like a real like tough guy from Chicago. And, um, he really gave me, he gave me every opportunity to, be the best that I could be and be successful. And I still talk to him to this day. Um, you know, he's retired and, you know, lives in the Gulf Coast. And when I go to New Orleans, I see him and his wife. And um, and I really appreciate what he did for me. Um, after he left, it was all downhill. <laughs> but no, he's, yeah, but I, yeah, it's, it's great to have a mentor. I had one in high school that I'm still, to this day, he is, he is still one of my mentors, Dr. David Roby. He was my, actually he's my political science teacher. He got me involved in politics in high school and he taught me to know my value at 16. And I, I really appreciated that. So mm -hmm. there, you know, there's some, there's some really good people out there. Um, and, but sometimes those the higher enlightened people are um, are not necessarily the people that you're working for. Yeah. So so the, the you know I just want to come in there with the with with another kind of add add on question to that. Now this is this is really important what you've said. You know I've experienced mentorship. I've had great mentors over the years. Still privileged to have their support when I really need them the most. They are incredibly senior people. Very busy but they give you the time uh, and that's a good sign in itself that you know there's a flourishing relationship over the years but do you think that you know with this quiet quitting quiet resignation now becoming louder conscious quitting you know it keeps on moving um in terminology but fundamentally at the heart of it i think there is a transactional um, relationship that's being created with employee and employer so gen z for example do you think that they're potentially missing out on these permitted longer term relationships because they're potentially, you know, not seeing that value uh, beyond? I do. It's there's a lot of um, it, I mean, yes, I've been someone that has always been one of those instant gratification people. But as as I've gotten older, I've gotten out of that and been able to look at the bigger picture. Um, I think that there is, there's a lot of, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like diss the Gen Z or um, whatever the new one is, but um, I can't keep up. But I think that there is a lot of um, expectation of, well, um, I went to college or I have a master's degree, so you owe me this, or you should treat me this way, because I'll tell you what I think killed everything is the participation trophies. And I use that as a euphemism. I mean, 
well, I mean, it was an actual thing, but giving, doing that for kids, I think was terrible. That was the worst thing that we could have done as a society was lead them to believe that one, they're owed something without having earned it. You know what? Guess what? In life, there's winners and losers and you're not going to always win. You're not going to get you know, you're not going to get recognized or you're not going to get paid for just participating. And, you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to earn, um, you've got to earn that. It's, it's a matter of earning respect. It's a matter of earning, like paying your dues. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we're doing a disservice by, um, you know, by allowing that to continue on into, into business. Do you know what? I know that I kind of that. went a little left, but yeah, no, no, totally. I, I see that in um, so I look at like you know sales plans, and then um, you'll get salespeople that I've previously managed, and it's um, when do I get a commission? Like, well, you've not hit your targets. Yeah, but I've done all of this, and you're like, no, do you know that wage that you get for for turning it up? Like that's that's not an attendance bonus thing. Like <laughs> that's your way right. you're doing your role. You get your commissions when you hit these targets, and it's it's something that I always come across with, with in sales as well. Like I don't know, I don't know what that what that is. I don't I don't know why. Is that something you come across as well? Because you know, you've been in sales for, for quite a while now, haven't you? Uh, yes, <laughs> I've been <laughs> in sales a very long time, um, and I I find it. Um, that I still catch employ employers off guard when I'm interviewing and I say, well, do you have an overachievement accelerator? And they're just like, well, uh, it's uncapped commission. And I'm like, that's not what I ask. There's always a target. There's always a, a budget or a plan or uh, KPIs, but is there an overachievement accelerator? because I have always been someone that overachieved. It was never, my mom always taught me that it was, it was never good enough just to be good enough or you know, just to do your job. Like you should always try and be better. And, um, and early in business, um, I got really frustrated and, um, and my mom was, she was way beyond her time. Um, she was very early in, you know, in science and in medical and, um, and, but she taught me that it's, it's really expected more, and this is going back, it's not so much today, but it's expected more of women than it is of men. Um, and you have to put yourself in the unassailable position. And I'll never forget, my mom was a big reader. I came home, I was complaining about something and she went into her library and she pulled out um, Sun Tzu's The Art of War. And I know it's been made into like a gazillion different business books now, but this is back when it was only, that was it. It was The Art of War, the original text. And she handed it to me and she said, read it, read it now and read it from cover to cover. Like, don't skip it. I know it's a lot, but read it. And the the thing that I pulled out of it, I mean, there was different bits and pieces, was putting yourself in the unassailable position. So I if you put if you do that and you do not just your job or what you're hired to do, but you do more, 
you should be compensated more. And that in Sun Tzu's art of war is what that's a strategic military strategy. And it's, you know, it really does translate to business. And all, even though I hate that there's all these books now that are the art of this, the art of that, but it's, um, I think that that's really important. Well, this is this 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 is amazing. I mean, you know, you think you've taken the left field, but actually, you've come back around full circle to something else that I think. Not listening to you, I think I think you should uh, you 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 should be giving some advice to senior leaders. So let's take let's 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 take um, a stab at strategy. Right now, again in 2023, and thinking about you know the economic situation around the world, it's you know it's not universal. It's not a, a, a mono problem anymore. Different countries have got different levels of the same problem. But what would, you know, kind of, I guess, your your look and guidance be around the strategic imperatives that businesses should really be thinking about right now, especially when it comes to people is what I'm thinking. Um, so I don't want to get into geopolitics, but I would say, you know, take a look at Ukraine, take a look at Zelensky. Um, you know, here's a guy that, um, you know, that really doesn't have a background in politics. Um, however, he also has high moral standards and he loves his country. And, um, and I think that looking at it from a leadership perspective is that instead of in times that are um, shaky or that, um, that the, maybe you think the economy is not great, you've got to show strength. So going and laying off like you're, you know, half of your company, I think it's just a, it's just a bad look. And so if I'm a customer or I'm a, um, you know, another company or a partner and I'm looking at you and I'm going, okay, this com that to me makes the company not look stable. And I think leaders, there's a lot of knee-jerk reaction to things instead of looking at, you know what, we should be investing in our people and investing in, like if you're so effing, uh, and you can bleep that out, if you're, if you're such a great company, then you need to have a strategy that is more, um, that, that you have, you buy into your own BS. So, or your own, like you're saying you're so great, then, then why are you so scared? Hmm. So there's just, you know, that whole playing into fear and, and, and that, that does go back to a lot of um, politics is, you know, the fear mongering, but it happens in business too. Stop being so afraid. Yeah. Where there is fear, love cannot exist. And it and in business, where there is fear, success cannot exist. And that's that would be my advice to leaders. Sound like Brene Brown there, you nailed it. Like <laughs> it's got it's true. But <laughs> did I I sounded like who? Brene Brown. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh really? I... Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share some stuff with you. She's awesome. She's um from Texas. Like... Oh, Renee Brown. Okay, yes, I do yeah. know who that is. Yeah. I have not. I I actually someone else just recommended um one of her books to me. Yeah. 
I think uh, she's to, actually from Texas. Yeah, Dare to Lead is is great, but also a, a podcast are really really good, worth a listen, definitely. Um, oh, I think that's uh, awesome. Yeah, that's that's so funny that you mentioned that because a woman that I know just had just brought that up to me the other day um, and said that she had a great podcast as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but I haven't listened to it, but that's just, you know, that's, that's okay. So maybe I should, uh, hmm, maybe I should go into like leadership training or something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Honestly, like, I think that whole, that whole bit around the fit, like you, you can see in the tech industries at the moment, the amount of redundancies that are being made across, let's say digital workplace, it is scary. And you think, why? But I, I know the repercussion of this because people get made redundant because the organisation needs to kind of, you know, increase their kind of um, trajectory into the forward and go, right, OK, we, we need to make sure that we're not going to run out of money at this point. So like they, they're getting that rundown figure sorted. I get it. But what happens is the people that are left behind have to pick up the work that the people that are left. And it's like then the people that are left behind they get burnt out, they get stressed, the company is no longer even more efficient, they might have more money in the bank, but they're, they're not efficient in the slightest because everybody's burnt out, nobody wants to work there, people then start leaving, and then they lose even more good people. It, for me, the mass redundancies, it is almost the start of the end for that company, because I just, I don't think I've seen one so far that has recovered stronger by making a whole lot of redundancies. Have you? I can't, I can't name a company. No, no. And the thing that I see about redundancies is um, you're, you lay off the people that are actually doing the work. Um, then, but why are you keeping the people at the top um, who are responsible for, for whatever financial position you're in? You, uh, you know, I mean, it's when they, you know, when they look at, um, a lot of companies will look at redundancies and they'll say, well, oh, well, why do we need, um, you know, a director for one person or, you know, when everybody else has, you know, overtly quit or, um, or left at some point, why are we keeping a director for one person or two people, but yet you get rid of the two people and keep the director? I'm sorry, like that doesn't make any sense to me because ultimately, it's like it's the leaders you should be looking at the leader not the people that are actually doing the the yeah. good work yeah. and so yeah. it's it's kind of it, companies are top heavy they're yeah. laying off people that are actually doing the work yeah the thing i see all the time as well is like people missing out on the contribution that people are making so it's a they understand someone's job description what they're actually doing in their role just about but they also, the, the bit that they miss is the more human bit around the contribution of that person. So the person that talks to everybody, picks people up, keeps people laughing. You know, back in the day when we were in the office all the time, the person that would be like, yeah, come on, let's go, let's go have a drink after work. The people that are like the, the connectors in the organisation. And I don't think enough companies are putting value to that contribution of, you know, you, you look at... Um, let's say Premier League football teams. I know you, you, you're into the high hockey, aren't you? So I'm sure you can apply this to uh, the Penguins, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, you, you can look at this and go, 
have has your team signed somebody that is probably towards the end of their career and they've got a bit of an era around them and it's like oh they're they're about to retire but they're going to bring something to the team they're not bringing youth and speed fitness they're bringing experience and they're bringing a different way of thinking they're bringing mentorship and i think this is the bit that businesses keep missing they don't look at the sporting world and go oh actually why did that team sign that 36 year old striker well because he's going to mentor all of these other people um and he's going to pick the people up in the changing room on a saturday after we've lost that's so true and um obviously living in the US, American football, and I'm a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan. The way they run their organization is so much different than other football teams. I mean, even from, uh, you know, from a diversity perspective, I mean, there's something here called the Rooney rule, where our, you know, our Rooney, the Rooney family, they are the ones that said that, that got the NFL to agree that you've got to interview um, African-American head coaches. You've got to start, you, you have to, otherwise you can't hire a head coach. And, but they also look at their players and they say, you know what? Yeah, this guy may be older, um, and, but we, he's done so much for us and we want to let him live out his career with, with us and retire a stealer, which is the greatest honor. We have so many players that come back to us that want to just come back just to be hired back so they can retire a Pittsburgh Steeler. And, but they look at the contribution of, okay, this person is willing to mentor their replacement. And that's a, that goes, bringing that back to business. One thing that I was taught very early in my career is in order to move up, if you haven't hired your replacement, you're not moving up. So you better start hiring people that are better than you, that are smarter than you, that fill in gaps where you have weaknesses and don't be so, and again, this goes back to fear, don't be so afraid. And that was, that was something that I did. I made sure that, that I was hiring people that were better than me. And then I got promoted. Amazing. You know, we could go on for hours. I, I think you're right. I think there's a leadership trainer in you. I think that, oh, that's nice. you know, I think that your honesty shines through. I think you find a great way to help people understand perspective, which is a really important thing to do, because when you've got this disparity, I think, between, you know, what we call the grade one or the band one at the top, and you know people down in the hierarchy they need a voice they need somebody to help them articulate what's really going on and you know we're trying to do that you know in in our different ways simone's doing it in a great way around theme that's you know so important people human you know that sense that 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 experience aspect being viscerally you know connected to um you know the deep exp experiences around being a human being and that transcends everything. And then, of course, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're trying our hardest to digitize that to some degree. But of course, like we say to people regularly, it can't be digitized. You can't, you know, a good friend of mine said this years ago. And uh, if we're all mentioning names, uh, I, I will mention Mo Tobin as well, because, you know, he said the human voice, can, you know, is yet to be replaced by something better in articulating what you really mean. 
and we can't replace all of that. We don't want to. What we want to do is amplify it, give it a you know, chance to uh, uh, to shine. Matt, thank you very, very much for being with us today. Any any final words of wisdom that you might like to impart our listeners with? Um, I'll leave you with this, and this goes back to you know um, dealing with a person. And um, there's a great scene in a TV show called um, The Newsroom. And they're talking about um, uh, Gabby Giffords, who is a, a congresswoman or was a congresswoman here in the United States. And she had been shot. Um, and um, they came in and they wanted to, they wanted them to get the jump on it and announce that she's dead. And um, one of the characters says, she's a person, a doctor pronounces her dead, not the news. So I think that that is so solid in, you know, just bringing it back to these are people you're dealing with. So that's what I, that's how I'll leave it. What a session. Thanks, Nat. I mean, what a, a voice of experience and authenticity. There's a, a lovely blend of the unapologetic kind of, um, you know, authority, but with humbleness, um, you know, doing the things that matter for the right reasons, uh, with real conviction, um, and just main, maintaining that integrity of, you know, to your, to, to Nat's values. And what's even more amazing is that Nat has the hunger for learning and supporting. And if you really think about this, it, it's rare. And there's, there's likely that there's a Nat in your circle of close friends. And, and if there is, then tell them how much we appreciate them for all the positive things that they bring around them, you know, in the workplace or whether that's family or friendships. Well, thanks very much, Simone. We're both very grateful from all the things that you guys could be doing. You gave some of that time to listen to us today. And don't forget, you can join us on the Shape Your Work LinkedIn channel for more workplace topics, guests and details on the science that powers workplace experiences and productivity.